The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. The joy of my heart is found in the scriptures, in the holy scriptures of the Lord Jesus. I read there about the experiences of men and women throughout the ages. I get to see in the mirror of their experience my own life and giving me counsel and direction on how I should live. It is the joy of Scripture to save me from the pitfalls, from the, from the dark places, from the power of the enemy, the evil one. I speak with people often who are under the heavy oppression of demonic powers, even Christians who, not possessed, but oppressed, thoughts flowing in their minds of utter sexual impurity, thoughts of murder and rage. They don't give way to these thoughts, but they are exhausted by the oppressions that the enemy brings. The scriptures bring just the opposite. The blessed scriptures, the word of God to us, the inspired, infallible word of the living God, comes and teaches us the way of righteousness. There are only two kingdoms on this earth. There is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, and there is the kingdom of the demonic power. And we are watching as that demonic kingdom is evidenced in the leadership of our country. Christian pastors, beloved believers, are agonizing before the Lord. And some of us are agonizing with them in intercessory prayer. In Afghanistan, as their very lives are threatened, and they will be executed by the Taliban. They will be murdered by the Taliban if God does not sovereignly move to deliver them. And then there are thousands, some say 10,000, some say 15,000 or more American citizens trapped by the Taliban, unable to escape. They can't get to the airport. These are powers of utter wickedness and darkness. The Taliban are demonic. And the leadership of our nation, such as it is, I don't believe we have a functioning presidency or a functioning executive branch of our United States government. We are in deep trouble. And then you layer on top of that the death that's coming in the coming months. We will see a dark winter of death sweep across this nation because of people who have been deceived into taking the injections. We're in trouble. And some have grown weary of this broadcast in these last days 
because I keep speaking about the wilderness and the wilderness journey, that the wilderness is the world. Oh, my brother, my sister, we have been so entangled in the world, in the flesh, in the devil, in the demonic. It flows at us from the television, from the internet, from the leadership of our nation. It flows to us in the very culture we breathe. Pride, prejudice, racial slurs, anger, bitterness, lust for money and power and sex, the natural man. We're in trouble. We're in grave trouble. I hope you understand. If we don't turn this, what are we going to do? Well, there's only one way to turn it. And that's through Scripture and prayer and obedience. That's where we're called. Now, if we look at 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, Paul, much more eloquently than I, speaks about these issues. He says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, where they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. So the Apostle Paul is saying these, these joyous scriptures are given to us to cause us not to walk in the way the children of Israel walked, which resulted in their dying in the desert, dying in the wilderness. Let's apply that. The joy of Scripture is to deliver us from dying in this world under the power of the kingdom of darkness. I hope you heard me. Eternal life does not exist in us as an independent possession. We cannot say, oh, I'm saved. I've been given the gift of salvation and then live an independent life separate from Jesus Christ and from renouncing the world the wilderness, the desert. Life is found only in the Scriptures, in Jesus Christ. There's no life anywhere else. 
Eternal life consists literally, not not theologically, not allegorically. I'm speaking literally. Hear me straight up. Eternal life, that is life that does not end in the heavenly realm, consists in union with Jesus. It is participation in the divine nature. Now, we can speak of eternal life as a gift from God. And in Romans 6, 23, he describes it as a gift given to us. But the gift is not, cannot, and will not be separated from Jesus. If we separate from Jesus, or we never fully unite with him, we do not have eternal life. Eternal life is literally Jesus. How do I say this? Eternal life is Jesus as he reproduces himself in us. Now that's why some very honest, sincere men and women of God will choose to stay in Afghanistan as missionaries They will not choose to leave. They will risk their lives, and it is the objective of the Taliban to utterly wipe Christianity out of Afghanistan. They are literally going to be standing at the wall. And I suspect that many of them will be murdered. I suspect that many of them will forfeit their lives, men, women, and children. And they will be martyred for the sake of the cross for Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, it's our obligation and a joyful obligation to intercede and cry aloud and ask the Lord to protect them, to surround them with fiery angels from heaven, But some, many, will quickly go to see the Lord. Is that all right? Yes. Yes. Many Christians from China have gone to Saudi Arabia and other countries and indentured themselves as slaves to families in China, from China to Saudi Arabia and other Arab nations with the total intent of winning those families to Jesus Christ. And God is using them powerfully to win converts in Iran, in Saudi Arabia, and other Islamic strongholds. It is the work of God to bring the kingdom of light 
to the kingdom of darkness, and Islam is one of the darkest parts of the kingdom of this wicked, evil spirit called the devil. Now, you recognize that that we need to be very honest with one another. That I need to come and speak the word of God in the joy of the scriptures. I will not compromise. I will not submit to tyranny. I will fight for the freedom of God's people with all of my strength and all of my power. And that freedom is found in Jesus Christ. So don't give way. Don't take the eugenics shot. Stand firm. If you have already, don't take any more. Stand by faith in Jesus Christ. And fight the good fight of faith. Not with weapons of weapons of the Spirit. Prayer. Crying out to the Lord. Standing by faith. Rebuking the darkness. That's what we're called to do. To bear witness, strong witness, with bold words of, of loyalty and love for Jesus Christ, inviting others to accept and also stand with us. You see, the, the joy of Scripture is that it points our way through the desert. It directs our steps through the desert. Let me read more. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. What is an idolater? Someone who puts anybody or anything ahead of Jesus Christ is an idolater. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink, and then they got up to indulge in peg pagan revelry, that is, sexual uncleanness. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 of them died. We should not test the Lord, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. 
flee, my friends, from the entertainment of the world. Flee, my friends, from the lust of your heart for lifestyle and money. Flee, my friends, from pleasing the world and the people of the world. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one loaf. Verse 20. The sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. I want to stop. Many of you who call yourselves Christians today are participants with demons. You're either oppressed by them and your steps are ordered by your feelings or you are entertained by uncleanness. You are simply creating for yourself in this world, in this wilderness, the most comfortable place you can create for you and your family, living like one of those desert dwellers who are not travelers. My brothers and sisters, I am a traveler. I don't build a house in the desert, in the wilderness, in the world. My house is Jesus Christ. Now, I live in a house, in a townhouse. But I acknowledge that I am a, an alien and a stranger here, and this is not my true home. My stuff, my refrigerator, my my toaster oven, my 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 stove, my air conditioner, my doors, my my carpets, all of that is just stuff it has on it to be burned. It's all just the temporary camp gear that I have with me. For my home is not in this wilderness. And I'm not going to be satisfied with some comfortable little cave in this place where I can hunker down and enjoy the entertainment of the wilderness savages. And I'm going to be very straight with you. We currently have demonic power savages of the demonic realm that have taken over many elements of our United States government. We fight not against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers, not people. I don't condemn people. But many in our leadership 
and in our military have been taken over by the Nephilim, spirits of darkness, and they're savages. And so we see the vileness and the wickedness of those human persons who have come into agreement and who are possessed by those powers or who have given way to the oppression of those powers. And America is being destroyed. And we are going into a very, very dark winter come November and December and January of this year. Great crisis is going to come upon this nation. Physical, economic, social. We're going to see what I shudder to even talk about. I am not going to participate with demons. I am going to alone take the cup of the Lord Jesus. I'm not going to take that cup with the cup of demons. I'm not going to have both a part in the Lord and a part at the table of the demons. Remember, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I choose the tree of life. I choose the scriptures. I choose the word of the living God. The joy of my heart is found in reading, meditating, and fellowshipping in the Holy Spirit with the Lord Jesus Christ through the reading of the scriptures. Now, I study the scriptures, but I do more than study the scriptures. I read the scriptures for my recreation. I read the scriptures for my recreation. Last night, I was sitting in my prayer room and was crying out to the Lord, and suddenly the Holy Spirit interrupted my time of worship and praise, and he told me, go to your front door and sit on the bench that is at your front door and read the scriptures. I said, yes, sir. I immediately went downstairs. I went outside, and I sat on the bench that's beside my front door. I was saying, Lord, thank you. It's a warm, pleasant evening. And there's a lamp there. And that gave me enough light I could read. And I was just enjoying my recreation time with the Lord God of heaven. And suddenly, my neighbor's door opened and out he came. His door faces mine about 20 feet apart. We spoke briefly. He went on to the mailbox. He got his mail, and he came back, and he stood and began to talk with me. And I began to encourage him in Jesus and bear witness to him. He's been through a very painful, traumatic time in his family. 
and I was able to speak words of comfort and encouragement and direction to him. And when we were finished talking, he said, I don't want to hold you up, Pastor, but I want to thank you for coming and sitting outside. By the way, why are you outside? I said, because the Holy Spirit told me to come down and sit here and read the Word and meditate on it and enjoy the company of Jesus. He said, I think you were sent down here to talk with me. I'm greatly encouraged by our conversation and your words of direction. Thank you. And then he went into his house. I continued sitting there, praying, meditating, enjoying the presence of Jesus, slapping the few mosquitoes that came to collect their dinner. (laughs) Do you know, walking with Jesus is such a joyous walk. If the children of Israel had simply had eyes to see, they would have seen what all of us desire to see. The Shekinah glory of God casting its light over the whole camp. They would have known that the presence of God was right there with them. They they witnessed the opening of the Red Sea. They witnessed the destruction of Egypt and the release from the bondage. They experienced the, the wood, the tree being cast into the waters of of bitterness, and then tasting the sweetness of Jesus. But they had no eyes to see. They had no eyes to see. If you're blinded by the demonic powers of our age that keep you completely occupied with searching after money, success, relationships. And may I be very vulnerable with you. Last night before I went out and fellowshiped with the Lord, my heart had become very discouraged. Because I saw the very few people the last couple days that have come on YouTube to look at the broadcast. I allowed numbers to still touch my heart. Now I've repented of this. Because I'm not doing this for success. I'm doing this out of the joy of my heart for the word of the living God, for the joy of my fellowship that I find in Jesus. And so I could then, after repenting, enter into rejoicing in the word of God. And I woke up this morning and I said, Lord, I have a bad taste in my mouth from last night. My discouragement was sin, and I renounce it. 
I don't need success to be happy in this world. I need only you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. And you promised that if I should wait upon you, you would carry me all the way through. You called upon me to rest in you, Jesus. And I confess there is joy overwhelming resting in Jesus Christ. So this passage in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, that was written for our admonition. That was written so that we would not become discouraged. That we would resist sin. There's no temptation that has come to you or to me that if we are born again, that we could not utterly resist and have the victory over. If we did not have the victory over it, it was because we had turned our eyes away from Jesus. And like Peter, we had begun to look at the wind and the waves. I want my eyes. I want my eyes to only be on Jesus. For he is so beautiful to me. And he fills my heart with such peace and joy and love, compassion. That reminds me. I'm not sure that tomorrow we can do call-in prayer. But whether we can do call-in prayer or not, we'll know tomorrow morning as we test out the equipment. If we can't do call-in prayer, I am going to do intercessory prayer for the Christians and the American citizens who are at risk of their lives in Afghanistan. And we're going to pray for the Afghan people. We're going to pray and rebuke the powers of darkness. And I ask, would you contact friends and family members? Would you invite them to join an intercessory prayer meeting? tomorrow from 1 to 2 p.m. And we're going to lift up our voices unto the Lord. And we're going to intercede for our brothers and sisters. And we're going to ask the Lord to protect them and to deliver them. This gospel message is not just about you or me. It's also about our brothers and sisters. It's about our families. It's about what Jesus wants to do in building his kingdom and the way in which he desires to build that kingdom.
Now, in the last minutes of this broadcast, we're going to come to chapter 15 in the book of Exodus. There is something there that I think you need to hear today. Moses is shown a piece of wood. He throws it into the water, and the water instantly became sweet. Now, the Lord makes a covenant with the people. He makes a decree. He makes a law for them. And he tests them. The Lord never tempts us. The devil tempts us. But the Lord God of heaven will always be testing us. He said, If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and if you do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. Now that's been misinterpreted by many in the Christian church, taking this one sentence out of context and saying, the Lord will heal you. Well, there are conditions for that healing power to flow. There are conditions for these sicknesses to not be allowed to come upon you. The condition is you must listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes. That's why I opened this broadcast today with these words that eternal life does not exist in us as an independent possession that life is only found in Jesus Christ. It is not found in the television. It's not found in the internet. It's not found in the ways of darkness. It's not found in pleasing others. Eternal life is only found in Jesus Christ. It is literally unity with Jesus. Look carefully at John, the 15th chapter. Read it and reread it. My pages in my Bible are literally falling apart from my spending so much time meditating, reading, memorizing the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. If we're going to do what is right in his eyes, it means we do not sin. We do not walk in rebellion against the Most High. And if you say to me, Oh, Pastor, we all sin all the time. Let me read to you the Word of God. Take it at face value. Don't establish your truth by your experience. There is a much, 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 much deeper place Jesus wants to take us to. 
The shallow foolishness of the American Christian Church is an abomination unto the Lord. This is Romans 6, verse 12. Therefore, the sin must not reign in your mortal body to obey it in the lust of it. Do you notice it says moral body? Mortal body. That is the body of flesh that I have right now. He's saying sin must not reign in this mortal body. And you must not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to the sin. But once and for all, yield yourselves to God as living out from among spiritually dead men and yield your members, that is your hands, your feet, your eyes, your body, yield your members as instruments of righteousness or innocence for God. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin even once hereafter, because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. In the Greek, it is the strongest possible formation to say, no, no, no. Do you not know that to whom you yield yourselves as servants to obey, you are servants to whom you obey, whether of sin in death or obedience in righteousness? If you yield yourself to sin, you will die, because the wages of sin are death. The gift of grace from God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That grace is not a blanket to cover a declared false righteousness. It is literally a person who by faith in Jesus Christ has been transformed and made into a new person. Now, please, these words that I speak to you, please don't let them just roll off your back like water off of a duck's back. You need to hear these words and you must understand that you must obey this standard of teaching that I'm delivering to you from the Scriptures. You must be freed from sin. You must be made servants with reference to righteousness. All of us used to be servants of sin. That's true. We used to be free with reference to righteousness. We could do whatever we wanted. We were on our way. What fruit thereof were you having then, on account of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been freed from sin in the present, not the future, holiness is never spoken of in the Scripture. Hagios is never spoken of in the Scripture. In the future tense, it is always in the present tense. We now, having been made servants for God, you have your fruit in holiness, and in the end, life eternal. 
Does this make you uncomfortable? I pray not. I pray you have made the decision that you will obey the word of the Lord to you, that you will listen carefully to what is being said, you will allow the power of the Holy Spirit to come and convict you. I listened to a broadcast last night that caused my heart great grief. In fact, I wept. Because this young man was proclaiming as a guest on, on a show that the time of glory has come for the body of Christ. The time of glory has come for the body of Christ. And he released glory in his prayer and said, I'm releasing glory over the body of Christ. Are you kidding me? This is not the time of glory for the body of Christ. This is the time for abject repentance and humility of heart, turning away from darkness and wickedness. Not the time of glory. It's the time of repentance. It's the time to get real, to stop playing the religion game. Well, they said a simple little sinner's prayer. No repentance. No humility of heart. Just let's have the supernatural glory of God and let's enjoy it and, and let's spread the good news. No, it's not good news. It's demonic news. What do I mean? Any teaching about the glory of God that does not begin with abject humility and deep conviction of heart and turning from wickedness is a false glory. It is the devil's glory, not the glory of Jesus Christ. Let's be clear about this. I don't mean to offend you, but in having to speak very plainly to you, I don't want to have I don't want to have any glory that is not the Shekinah glory of God of Jesus Christ in righteousness and holiness So this young man came on as as the great releaser of glory over the church of Jesus Christ and it was all foolishness. It was all empty. There was no power of God in him. There was no Holy Spirit power on him. It was foolishness. Oh, don't you feel you were watching this? Don't you feel the glory of God coming down on you? No, I don't. I feel sorrow. I feel sadness for you. because I know you have missed Jesus. My brother, my sister, Jesus is very plain. His words cannot be mistaken. If you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all of his decrees, 
I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. And then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. This is always the way of God. He puts us to the test, three days walking in the dry desert without a thing. Then we come to Mara, and everything we wanted is just bitterness. And then the sweetening presence of Jesus comes and transforms the bitterness into the joy of the Scriptures. And then he brings us to a, an oasis, an oasis of joy, an oasis of the Scriptures of the living God. And he fills our heart with the knowledge and the understanding and the conviction of the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now the Lord heals us of our diseases. My brother, my sister, is the word of God your joy? Or is earning money your joy? Is the word of God your joy? Is Jesus your joy? Or is television your joy? And the movies your joy? Or your anger or your bitterness? Is that where you derive your pleasure? Telling somebody off, cutting them down. Where is your joy? What brings great joy to your heart? Is it a, a steak or a hamburger? Is it a big bowl of ice cream? Is it a cup of coffee? Maybe a piece of cherry or apple pie? Is it a bottle of beer? Is it a shot of whiskey? What brings joy to your heart? And when you tell me what brings joy to your heart, I'll know whether you are from the wilderness or whether you're part of the children of God on journey toward heaven. Which are you? Be honest. Come on, don't. Don't fudge. Be honest with you. I'm not asking you to call and tell me. I'm asking you, be honest with you and be honest with Jesus. Don't lie to him and don't lie to yourself. Do the scriptures and the presence of Jesus. Bring the joy of your heart. Or does wickedness bring you joy? in your heart. Well, we're out of time today. But please, 
I'd like to pray with you. Oh, Lord, thank you. Would you come in power now? And would you give every person listening the ability to be honest with you and with themselves? And would you let the joy of your word dwell in our hearts? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Every day I go to the post office and I stand at the post office box and I pray a prayer of thanksgiving for those who have mailed something or a prayer of request that the Lord would intervene and cover the cost of this radio broadcast. We're pushing toward the end of August and we're still more than $2,000 short for this month. July and August have been horrendous months but I have stood by faith. He covered the month of July. I believe he will also cover the month of August as he moves in your heart to give. And thank you to each one who has already done that. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now you can also go to our webpage, National prayerchapel.com and you can give online I love you my brother my sister I speak these straight words because I do love you God bless you I'll talk to you soon